Welcome to the Best of Women's Fiction podcast. I'm Lainey Cameron, and I'm so thrilled you're here. I'm an author of women's fiction, a digital nomad, and a book marketing expert. Find out more about how I can help you with that at laineycameron.com. I'm also the author of The Exit Strategy, fun feminist fiction, and a 14-time book award winner. I created this podcast to showcase authors and books I admire. If you enjoy it, I'd love if you subscribed, and even better, give it some stars or a quick review. Now let's get to this week's special guest. This episode is with Deborah Thomas, author of Loose, which won several awards, including the Sartan Award for Contemporary Fiction. Her second novel, Josie and Vic, just released. It's a brother-sister story of love, loss, and forgiveness, and it's a fabulous read. Let's hear from Deborah all about it. Deborah, thank you so much for joining me. It is such an honor to be here on such a popular podcast. I'm so honored to be here. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And it's hard. You know, the hardest part of each season is choosing which books to focus on because we really do want to choose among the best. And that's why I picked you to come on the podcast because I saw all of these awards, including this an award for contemporary fiction that your first novel, Loose, won. And it was one of those moments where I was like, ah, oh, how did I miss that one? I need to get around for the next book. So I'm so glad you're here. And hopefully we'll talk a little about both books. Let's start with um, where are you joining me from today? I'm in Simi Valley, California, which is in the northwest corner just outside of Los Angeles, but it's right near this beautiful rural area with farms and horses. So I, I have the best of both worlds. Interesting because horses made it made their way into this book. I had a chance to read this one. It's it's lovely, it's heartbreaking, it, it's got so much emotion in this book. Well, don't we always, even if we don't write autobiographical fiction, we put parts of ourselves or parts of our life in our books. And I am a horse lover. I came to horses late in life, but I have horses. So yes, they are in the book. Oh, that's funny. You know, horses were my first love. I think from like five years old, I was deeply, deeply in love with horses. In fact, it took me a very long time to like any humans more than I liked horses. So I can understand that. So let's talk about the book. For those who haven't heard of it yet, and it just released, they probably don't know much yet. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Josie and Vic? Josie and Vic are a sister and brother with a very special bond because when Josie was only five and Vic was 11, their father left them. And Vic was like a second parent to her. In fact, the first line of the novel is Vic had always been her hero. Now the novel opens decades later, they're in their 40s, and Vic has just experienced a terrible tragedy. He's lost his family in an accident. And he lives in Los Angeles. And Josie, who lives on the East Coast, leaves everything and comes out to be with him to help him through this terrible tragedy and, and to help him get back on his feet if possible. This estranged father will come back into the picture. Josie's 19-year-old singer-songwriter daughter, Ellie, who's a bit rebellious. There's tension between the mother and daughter. She comes that summer. And so the family come together with a lot of tension and friction, but they are given an opportunity to reconnect, which is really the heart of this novel. And it also touches on immigration border issues, which mean a lot to me. Yeah, let's, when we get to the inspiration part, I want to hear about that because that was common in both of your novels. And as someone living as an immigrant in Mexico, that spoke a lot to me as part of your themes. So let me just read one quick re review or blurb from Gail Brandeis, 
who is the author of Dead Birds and the win winner of Barbara Kingsolver's Bellwether Prize. So here is what she had to say, and it's beautiful. Deborah Thomas is a magician. Her artistry, empathy, and gentle humor allowed Josie and Vic, a novel grounded in the deepest of grief, to shine with hope, with compassion, with the reminder that connection and service offer us paths toward healing. An unforgettable, heart-filled, heart-filling novel. Wow. What a, what a great description of the tone of this novel. Well, I was just so touched to see that. We put part of that on the front cover. I was uh, so moved and grateful. Having read it, I think she caught really well, like the tone of there's grief, but there's hope and there's light and there's family and family pulling you through it because they care the most. You really caught that brother-sister relationship amazingly well, I thought. Thank you. Thank you. Inspiration. Where did the idea for Josie and Vic come from? Actually, I began writing this back in 2002, an early draft. Now, keep in mind that was right after 9-11. And it was also when I was in the midst of being an immigrant rights activist. I had taught English as a second language to adults, and I live in Los Angeles, and I was hearing about the deaths in the desert of migrants, and I got quite involved. And I met a wonderful volunteer group called Water Stations Project, and they would go out in the desert and leave water marked with blue flags in the hopes of preventing the deaths from dehydration. So I wanted to write a novel that talked about people coming together after a great tragedy or great loss and how we need that love and support to move forward, but also about the resilience of the human spirit, how even when we do experience struggle and suffer, and, and I think of Ukraine even, that how people just keep going. Um, as the poet Rilke says, life keeps calling to us. And that's what I wanted to capture. So I brought my beautiful characters, Josie and Vic, who had actually been in a short story that I wrote decades ago. And I brought them up to contemporary times and put them in uh, the situation that I just described. It's beautiful. There's a theme throughout the book of, and I might not say this right, because it's a word I've only ever seen written, never spoken, Pangea. Can you talk a little bit about that theme? Yes. See, that's kind of what I wanted to capture, that we are all connected. Pangea is the supercontinent that was all one landmass. And then due to the tectonic plate tectonics, it, it pulled apart into our separate continents. But we were all one. We were all connected. And so uh, the short story I spoke about that Josie and Vic came from was called Pangea because she, when she's a young girl, uh, I think she's like 13 and her brother's getting ready to go to Vietnam. She loves geology and she uh, has studied about Pangea. And she feels like her life is pulling apart because her father had left and now her brother is leaving. So in this novel, Josie reflects on this, but over a course of experiences in the book, she begins to see it in a different light. For me, it's the metaphor that we're all connected. That's what I hope to convey. Also in the book, I end up using different forms to make that point that um, different pieces can form a whole. I have alternating points of view, different time timelines in the chapters. There are Ellie's song lyrics are chapters. There are emails for chapters and letters. And I wanted all those pieces to form a whole, which is the metaphor of the novel overall. I thought it worked really well. Like sometimes when you have different formats, it takes the reader out of it and you're like, oh, wait, now I'm switching to an email or now I'm switching to song lyrics. But to me, it was very continuous. The way you did it, it flowed all the way through. I, I never felt taken out of it by the changes in formats as a reader. I was just engrossed in the story as we went. 
Oh, that's so good to hear. I, I tried to, at the end of one chapter, lead into what would be the next. So if there was a flashback chapter, there was a, a statement at the end of the previous chapter that got you ready for that flashback chapter. So I hoped it all came together. And I want to ask you about the cover. This cover has a beautiful image. It's like a sunset over water, I think. And I can see in the video that is actually an image that is the same on the wall behind you. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Oh, yes. Well, you know how difficult it is to come up with an idea for your cover. This was really a tough one with a brother and sister. And, you know, we thought about a family tree. But then I said, I want colors and I want light coming out of darkness. And we really struggled finding something. And one, one day on Facebook, a friend of mine named Barbara Craig, who is a quilt artist, posted a bunch of quilts that she had made. And I loved this one that you see. She gave it to me. And one day I was listening to Ann Patchett's essay called My Cover Stories. And it's a beautiful essay. You got to check it out. The long story short is she mentioned that when she was trying to come up with an idea for her latest book, and I, bingo, I thought, that's it. It's Barb's beautiful. And so long story short, we had to get permission from Hoffman California Fabrics, who gave us permission to use the fabric. Wow, it's beautiful. And I would never have guessed that it came from a quilt. Wow, that's that's amazing. If you look up close on the cover, you can actually see some of the lines uh, of the quilt. And I like the idea that a quilt is like it's homespun comfort. You know, a quilt it has that meaning. And of course, family and, and what Josie gives to her brother during this difficult time. That's beautiful. And for those who have not yet visited the website at bestofwomensfiction.com, we always put an episode page up and it has the cover. It has links to each of Deborah's books and the book she's about to talk about later in this episode. I'll see if I can find that article, that essay you were talking about and include the link to that there too. Oh, great. And then I have an essay on my website, which tells this whole story and how it evolved. There's a little bit more to it. Oh, perfect. But, uh, so let's talk a little bit about editing because I'm interested in, was this as your second book, a different experience than Luce, your first book when it came to editing your work? What does your process look like? With this one, it wasn't so much editing because keep in mind, I started out with a manuscript that I had set aside. I think it was about 130 pages. So it wasn't editing, it was adding. And that's when I added the, the Pangea metaphor. That's when I added the horses and the equine veterinarian that are in there. He takes care of Josie's horses when uh, she goes to Los Angeles. A relationship between them starts to evolve, a friendship. Because what I realized that what this novel was about was about this family, about you know developing what was going to happen to them through the journey. Initially, when I first started writing it, I wanted it to be more about the immigration issue. And the, like, I was calling it Blue Flags. But I realized it was really about the sister and brother. And so for editing, it was more like adding more and developing it more. Although I belong to a writing critique group called the RBGs, we meet once a month and I would submit quite a bit of this to them and got a lot of feedback from them, as well as I used a few beta readers as well, which is, you know, what we commonly do. That was my editing process. I guess that's my response to that. Did it look different for Luce, your, your first book, which was a multi-award winner? Was it a similar process or was it very different? You know, with Luce, it poured out of me. Now, keep in mind, Luce is about a young Mexican girl searching for her missing father, who was a migrant farm worker. All my characters are from Mexico or Central America. And of course, I hesitated, you know, whether I was appropriate to write this story, but I had had so many experiences. 
And in Gail Brandeis's class at UCLA, in response to an assignment, I just started writing in this young girl's voice, Alma's voice, and it just poured out of me. It was an incredible writing experience. So it just flowed. I might have worked on the opening a few times. And uh, yes, in fact, I later, with the help of another mentor, Elizabeth McKenzie, she told me, try to bring it up to date a little bit. And so I ended up bookending it with a different opening, a contemporary opening and a different closing that brought her story in the past up to date to now. So that was one editing I did with Luce. With uh, Josie and Vic, it was more adding and expanding uh, to an original manuscript. That's great. And I I love that you mentioned two people who helped you along the way. One of my favorite things in the writing community is, is we all learn so much from each other over time. And so I'm interested to know, this is your second novel, you're a multi-award winner. What advice do you give now to other writers? The one thing that I would tell, whether you're a beginning writer or, or an experienced writer, for me, it's trust the organic process. And what I mean by that is trust yourself, trust your instincts, your unconscious, whatever you call it. Because for me, the most exciting writing happens when I sit down and sometimes I'm not sure where I'm going and I just start writing and it, and it comes out. And I would say, if, if you have any hesitation, if you feel like you have writer's block, you don't. Sit down and write and see what comes out just keep writing and writing. You can always go back and, and, you know, look it over again, see if it worked, get other people's input, but just write. Don't wait for the muse or the inspiration. It actually helps in some ways because you can just sit there and go, okay, I'm afraid. Why am I afraid? Maybe I can write about being afraid, but like if you just see it as what it is, which is just fear, fear of something, fear of judgment, fear of getting it wrong, fear of having to rewrite it, whatever that fear is, it helps me just to kind of label it and say, okay, this is just fear. Fear is something I can live with. I can can write through it. And nothing's perfect. No matter what we write, it's not going to be perfect. Don't be afraid. Don't try to be perfect. Just write. You can always go back and and make it better and get other people's input. Just write. That's, That's great advice. Wonderful. Well, have you read anything good recently? I always love to get recommendations from phenomenal writers. I am a, a voracious reader. I just finished Hello Beautiful, you know, that everyone's talking about, and Napolitano's new Oprah, the Oprah recommendation. It's beautiful. Talk about family and love and connection. Uh, and then I read Dust Child by Win Fan Kwe Mai. Had to look up here to make sure I pronounced it correctly. Her beautiful novel about uh, Vietnam and uh, Vietnamese uh, Amerasians who were born from Vietnam vets as well as Vietnamese women, and they search for their parents and as the vets search for their their children. Beautiful novel written from many different points of view. And then last, I just finished Dog of the North by Elizabeth McKenzie, which is quirky and charming and delightful. And it's a, a road trip novel, but it's again about family and search for family. So those are my three recommendations. Oh, great. And I loved Dust Child so much. I actually gave away two copies in my newsletter last month. I I just was in love with that book. Like it's so well written. And I loved the first book as well, The Mention Sing, but I actually actually told the author that I liked the second one even better. I thought Dust Child was a masterpiece. It was just fabulous. Yeah, I didn't want it to end. I felt the same way. So now, now I have to go read your other two recommendations based on the fact that I adored one of the three. Now I have to go read the other two. Oh, you will. You will love them. So is there anything I haven't asked you that, that you like to talk about? I imagine you love doing book clubs because both of these would be great book club, book club books. 
Well, I would love to do book clubs, whether it's virtual or, or locally in, in this area. But I think the only other thing I might add has to do with why I included animals. There's a dog, a Siberian Husky, and there's three horses in Josie and Vic. And again, all things are connected. We're all connected. We're all interdependent. And I wanted to capture how animals open our hearts to tenderness, how that special bond of comfort and healing, but they also bring us together. Think about out walking dogs, the people you meet. I think about even family members, when you're sitting around watching a, a kitten flipping around the house, how it makes us laugh together. There's a joy and, and beauty in animals. And I want, it's a big part of my life. And I wanted to include that in the book. Oh, I love that. I, I miss animals. Like I, like I said, I'm a big horse person. I'm also a big dog person, especially big, big dogs, but it doesn't go with a lifestyle where, where, where you yeah. travel, right? We're nomadic, we move around. And so I could never do that to a poor dog, but it's probably the piece I miss the most about being nomadic is not being able to have a dog, to be honest. You could always visit shelters or sanctuaries when in your travels and, and love on them, you know? That's something. That's a good idea. Actually, um, Lynn Leal Butler, who was a past guest on the podcast, Lynn Foster's dogs, um, uh, in particular Dashens. But also, whenever she goes to Hawaii, she goes and walks the dogs, dogs at the shelter. You can adopt them for a day and take them out and show them around the island. And apparently it's good because they wear a little vest so that if someone sees the dog while you're walking it, you can talk about the fact that it's available for adoption. So it's like a walking billboard for a beautiful dog. I had never heard of that before she introduced me to it. See, that's a beautiful thing for anyone, especially if you feel you can't handle being a full-time dog owner. You could do that, you know, volunteer in your community. And even as I just said, with horse rescues, just going to a horse rescue or sanctuary, they love you to just love on the horses. They can hang their heads over the, the fence of a corral and you can just pet on them. You don't have to get up too close to them. So love animals. Okay. New goal, new life goal you've given me here. I'm going to have to look into this Great. more. Great. Well, we will put the links to your social media on the website site bestofwomensfiction.com but where do you hang out the most like if folks want to interact with you where's the best place well it would probably be facebook i'm on instagram and facebook but everything is deborah d-e-b-r-a thomas author there is a famous ice skater named deborah thomas so i have to add author to everything my website deborahthomasauthor.com and Facebook, Deborah Thomas author, Instagram, Deborah Thomas author. Perfect. Well, I will say that this is a beautiful, just a touching novel. It's one of those novels that really gets to you and like gets deep inside and you remember it after you read it. So congratulations. And thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed talking to you. For links to the books featured in this episode, the video version, the author's social media, and more, visit bestofwomensfiction.com. I'd love it if you'd follow me, Lainey Cameron, on Instagram or TikTok. And if you enjoy the podcast, we really appreciate reviews and shares.